0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the jar. We're glad you're here today. And uh, thank you. Someone said good morning. So I appreciate that. Um, We're in the middle of a series uh, called flow. And basically what we're trying to uh, understand and gather is how do we stay in the flow of God's spirit? Because God has a promised preferred abundant life that he has for all of us. uh, And how do we stay in the midst of that flow? Well, I was intrigued to kind of understand what our students are thinking about the series. So I sent out an email this week to all of our middle school and high school students' uh, parents, asking them, hey, um, is your kid getting anything from what, you know, we're talking about on Sunday? And um, some said no, and that was it. You know, that's real encouraging. Um, but a few actually sent some things. And if you remember last week... Uh, we had a homework assignment. This was a homework assignment. Uh, when I am tempted to worry this week, I will remind myself, is this really a big deal? Okay? And hopefully many of you did that as you went through the week. Well, I had a student, uh, I won't name names, a high school student, uh, send me this. This is kind of a big deal from Kohl's. I'm like, Seriously? <laughs> Like, did you get it? You know, it's like a whole thing. And and some people, uh, you know, I, I talked to a mom and a daughter who, when they're going through uh, times when they're upset, they'll just remind each other, hey, get back in the flow. Kind of a cool thing to do. Uh, and one that was sent to me was really, really powerful. And I wanted you to just listen to this because uh, it's a powerful story. And uh, the mom sent me this. And she said this, The Flow series has been a great way for my daughter to grow. She is listening. That's always good, you know, with a teenager. They are listening, so that's good. And uh, this is what she said. Particularly the teaching on anger and resentment hit home. She has grown up without a father in her short life. She reached out to him numerous times only to be met with hurt and disappointment. He chooses not to have anything to do with her. She doesn't quite understand how a father wants nothing to do with their child. She did hold a lot of anger, bitterness, resentment toward him. She questioned why anyone would not want something to do with their child. However, after the Sunday that you taught on anger and resentment, she realized that she must forgive her dad no matter what. She realized that she could forgive him and yet not trust him. At the same level. Recently, she sat down, she wrote a letter to him, let him know that she forgave him, asked some different questions, because she really does want to stay in the flow. Isn't that cool? Like, that's why we do what we do, folks, is for that kind of life change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, we're in the middle of this series called The Flow. How do we stay in God's flow to the promised kind of life that he has for us? And this has been our key scripture. Uh, Let's read this all out loud together. Jesus said these words, Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within them. That if we believe in him or that we're living in him, that there is something that flows out of us, which is God's spirit. And we heard that. Uh, throughout this summer, that really it's not about trying to do more or work harder or, uh, you know, to uh, uh, scale a wall. It's simply about not getting in the way of the flow of God's Spirit. That your job and my job is simply not to get in the way. And we talked about that if you're going to stay in the flow, there have to be some things that you have to take off, certain things that you have to remove from your life. And other things that you have to place on your life, certain things. And we kind of did this by developing an acronym uh, called RAGS. That there are certain rags in our life that you and I, if we're going to grow closer to God, we have to get rid of these dirty rags. And we used that word, RAGS, as an acronym to kind of uh, express uh, these things. The R stands for resentment, and we want to take resentment off of our life. We don't want mismanaged anger. The A stands for anxiety, to take that off and to replace it with peace. And today we're going to talk about the G, which is greed, and then in a couple of weeks we'll be talking about the S, which is superiority or self-righteousness or smugness. That those are the things that we really want to remove from our lives. And over time, if we do this, we should look very different than we did when we first started connecting with Christ. That we shouldn't look the same way that we did a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. Because we're following the teacher, the one who knows you best and the one who loves you most. And this morning, we are going to look at the G, which is greed. And when I talk about greed, I'm not just talking about money. I think a lot of times what people think of when they hear that word, they think about a person being greedy with their money. But it could be any mismanaged desire or appetite or longing of any kind. Because this is the truth about every single person in this place. The person sitting in your chair. This is the truth. All of us are driven by our desires. More than anything else, you are driven by your desires. In fact, James 4 puts it this way. What comes, what causes fights and quarrels among you, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. This is a very profound statement of what the human condition is all about. We have all kinds of problems and quarrels and fights. But these are simply the symptoms of something that is much deeper in each of our lives. And that deeper problem, folks, is our desire. It's our desire. Now, sometimes we desire right things, but the reality is sometimes we desire wrong things. And that is what drives every one of us. More than anything else, the desires in your life drive your life. Now, when we talk about greed, I want to give us a working definition on greed this morning. And this is it. It will come up on the side screen. Greed is what happens when I demand that I gratify some desire, even if I dishonor God and I hurt other people and myself. Great is what happens when I demand that I gratify some desire, even if I dishonor God and hurt other people and myself. Folks, your desires either turn towards good or they turn towards evil. And this morning, I can't talk about all the desires that are in this room, but I do want to talk about one that often we don't talk about in the church enough, and that is sexual desire. Again, it can relate to any kind of emotion, any desire that you have. But today we want to talk specifically about that. Now, when I talk about desire, desire is simply just something that's neutral. A desire is not necessarily good or bad. It's just a desire. But what you do with that, that's something else. So we're going to look at two people today. They'll come up on the side screen. There's Joshua and Ashley. If you are in your 30s, okay... Or early 40s, the number one name when you were born was Joshua or Ashley, okay? Some of you are like, really? Yeah, look it up. Not right now, don't look it up. Don't get your Google going, okay? (laughs) And uh, let's say that Joshua and Ashley, they kind of have a chemistry toward one another in their relationship. They kind of feel attracted to each other. They have attractive eyes toward one another. We're going to say also that Joshua and Ashley are Christ followers. They made a commitment to honor Christ. We're also going to say that Ashley and Joshua are married. They're just not married to each other. Now, again, the initial feeling of attraction is not a bad thing. Every single one of you look at certain people and you're like, they're pretty hot. Even if you're married, like it doesn't end when you're married, you know, I asked my dad, he's 79. I was like, dad, you ever kind of, does that ever go away? He's like, no, I hope it doesn't either. You know? <laughs> so no matter who it is, there are some people that you're attracted to and some people that you aren't. That's not sin. That's being human. It happens. Okay. But what everything hinges on is what are you going to do with that? What is Ashley and Joshua going to respond to this? What road are they going to go down? Are they going to go down a wrong road? Are they going to go down a right road? Now, let me say this right from the beginning, and you need to listen to this closely. It is harder for you to walk down a wrong road than it is to walk down a right road. Now, some of you are sitting there like, no, no, that's not what I was taught in Sunday school. Well, they were wrong. It is harder to walk down a wrong road. You see, when we choose the wrong road, it takes so much effort and energy to keep up that thing that we're trying to disguise. No matter how hard you try, you, you just have to take so much effort to stay on a wrong road. Because the reality is, when our minds are devious and deviant... Sometimes you look at me like you don't have minds like that. Oh, no. Go ahead, pastor boy. Tell us a story about how you're messed up, but I got it all together. No, 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 no. We all have devious and deceptive minds. The person in your chair does. And there are a lot of steps that you've got to take to get on the wrong road. And to stay on the wrong road takes a lot of energy. So I'm going to walk you through a few of these. The very first one is this. You quench the spirit. You quench the the spirit. I guarantee that if you walk down the wrong road, you will start with this step. Now, Paul, the guy who wrote over half of the New Testament and is considered one of Jesus' closest friends, tried to warn us, tried to caution us, and the church of his day by saying this statement. Let's read this out loud together. Do not quench the Spirit. He's like, don't do that. It works like this. Anytime that you have a desire or an emotion, if the Spirit is with you and within you, the Spirit is going to prompt you to do certain things with that desire. The Spirit will greatly prompt you to lay that desire then to Jesus and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this thing, with this desire? What do you want me to do? And Jesus will never lead you down a wrong road with that desire. He just doesn't do it. Nothing harmful, nothing sinful. He will not do it. So if you want to walk down the the wrong road, the very first thing you have to do is you quench the spirit. Now, what does that look like? What does quenching the spirit look like? Well, first of all, it begins with this book right here. People open up the book, they start reading it, and they're quenching the spirit, and they're like, "I'm marking that part out. Doesn't apply." Right? Just mark it out. And then they'll pray. And then they'll pray, but then they won't listen. They're just like, bleh! But they don't listen to anything. And then they start ignoring telling the truth to some other people that are Christ followers around them. It's a person who comes to a message like today. And you're like... He ain't talking to me. You're the one messed up over in that area. You must have been late coming in anyway, so it's those people. Right? And continually, you'll say, Holy Spirit, I quench you. I remove you. I push you aside. Here's the second part of the Road. You quench the spirit. Secondly, is you live in hiddenness. You live in hiddenness. This started at the very beginning with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are in a garden. Everything is great. Everything's flowing. It's paradise on earth. It's heaven on earth. He says, Don't do one thing. They do it, and immediately what do they do? They hide. That's the one thing that human beings are great at. We're all good hiders. Like when they play hide and go seek, we all want to hide. We're good at that. It's the seeking part that you don't like, right? It's the hiding part we're great at. This is what Jesus had to say about this in John 3.20. He said, everyone who does evil hates the light, hates to be known, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. This is instinctive. It is an, an inevitable response to anyone who's doing something wrong. They avoid the light. They don't want the light to shine. And it all starts very early. It starts this early. Mom and dad go up to little Jimmy and say, Jimmy, I do not want you ever to put your hand in the cookie jar. Do not put your hand in the cookie jar and take a cookie out of the cookie jar. You can only do that if you've obeyed, and then I give you the cookie. Okay, Mom, okay, Dad, no problem. Then one day little Jimmy gets close to the kitchen and he knows what mom and dad has have told him. So he thinks to himself, Well, if I just close my eyes and I get in there and I like kind of, you know, go around the counter until I get to the cookie jar and it just happens to have a cookie in it. It's not like I'm looking at it to find it. It'll just happen. And if I take a bite and I eat it, I've closed my eyes and I'm hiding from what mom and dad said. So I didn't do it. Because I didn't open my eyes. Now that sounds funny for a little kid, doesn't it? Adults do it all the time. You close your eyes. We hide ourselves from God. God, I'm going to do this anyways. Close our eyes to other people around us. Sometimes we even deceive ourselves. And sometimes we just close our eyes when we make choices. And when we walk down the wrong road, when you're at this stage, you will start doing little things that you don't let other people know, like your spouse. You just don't let them know. You start texting the person that you're attracted to, and you kind of hope that they'll text you back. And then you get to their Facebook page, and you're like, wow. And then finally you're like, well, if I just send a message, hey, how you doing? Won't be a big deal. So they do that. They arrange their schedule around the fact that they might see the person. Or if it's a coworker, you see them and you give them a compliment that's a little bit more than you've ever given your spouse in the last six months. You know you've crossed the line, but you don't tell anyone. You don't pray about it. You don't look at Scripture to try to allow it to guide you. You just simply live in hiddenness. Then the next step down this wrong road is ethical violation. At this point, you start to cross lines that you know that you shouldn't cross. The verse that talks about this probably more than any other is that Adam and Eve have been in the garden. They hide. They get kicked out of the garden. And then they have a child, a guy by the name of Cain. He has a brother named Abel. And... God wants to protect Cain. So what does he do? He he sends a message to him. Genesis 4-7, it says this. God says, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Well, the story goes on. Cain ignores this. The sin crouches at his door. He goes, and because of an offering that was accepted one way or the other, he kills his brother, Abel. The biggest ethical violation that any human being can take. Taking the life of another human being. Now, in our, in our scenario of the sexual desire of Ashley and Joshua, this is where, all of a sudden, the texts get a little bit more heated. There's a little bit more sexual thought into this you might even text a picture of yourself that you would never let your spouse see that you were texting to someone else what you doing and you start to say things like i love you or i want you or you cross the line you are so emotionally charged in the midst of this that your brain like gets over overridden it's like on override And you step out of the flow of God's Spirit and you become dependent on this desire. And when you get to this point, you are emotionally and physically so dependent on that relationship that you will just continue to take more and more ethical violation chances. And all of these steps, they seem very subtle, but they're deliberate. And because you're going down this road, you never just stop to go, what am I doing? Like, what am I really doing? But if you keep walking down this road, eventually you come up to a door. And when you come up to the door, you either walk through the door or you turn around. But you choose where you're at. And if you walk through that door, the amount of pain that gets exposed to everyone around you, you can't even put it into words. I talked to a guy in the first celebration who went down this wrong road. He said, you you are so point on. So point on. You destroy relationships that are meaningful. You trash your future. There's unimaginable destruction that happens all over the place. And if you do, when you get to the other side, when you have betrayed your body and your mind and your heart, the most important vow that you've ever made to another human being before in your life gets broken and trashed. And you finally end up at the end of the wrong road which is called slavery. You become a slave. But this is the thing, folks. It never looks like that when you're first starting down this road. I've counseled people. I've talked to people. They never talk about the first step because it never looks that bad at the beginning. Jesus put it this way. I will tell you the truth Everyone who sins is a, what's it say? Slave to sin. You're a slave to sin. And what Jesus is saying here is true. That what happens inside of us is we become slaves to these red hot desires and these red hot feelings. Now I want to be sensitive to the fact that for some of you, if you are walking down this road, turn around. God's not mad at you. God doesn't want to beat you down. He doesn't want to destroy you any more than where you've already destroyed your own life. He wants to give you grace and freedom and hope. But you've got to turn around. And for some of you, if you if you're on this path right now, if you haven't turned around, if you're on this path, only you know. But if you're on this path, let me tell you a story. Several years ago, there was a guy in our church who I got a phone call. And he was at his house. And the sheriff and multiple sheriffs were there. And his life was a total broken mess. He was addicted to drugs. His health was a mess. His wife had left him. His kids had left him filed bankruptcy. The house that they were in was getting ready to be foreclosed. The police were there. He's threatening to hurt himself. But you know what was underneath the layer, like if you got a little bit deeper, was the shame and the guilt that he had been unfaithful to his wife. They took him away. He spent 72 hours in a psych unit. Folks, if you're walking down this road, turn around like just turn around start going back the other way if you walked all the way to the end and you've tasted the bitterness and some of you have you've you've had that despair god's grace is reaching down to you trying to give you a gift that you don't have to carry it anymore you may have to walk into the light you may have to make amends you may have to ask for forgiveness Let some other people know that you're not hiding this anymore. But stop quenching the Spirit. Just turn around. Just say, Holy Spirit, I'm opening myself up to you right now. Whatever you want to do with this thing, and then what God tells you to do, that's what you do. But you can come back from a wrong road. Now again, uh, this is central to our spiritual lives, regardless of what the desire is. We just talked about a sexual desire today, but it could be anything. You know, anytime a pastor has a a table with a cloth over it, be prepared. (laughs) So for some of you, maybe that's not your desire. But work is your desire. You just spend way too much time at work. You're always at work. It has consumed you. You are addicted to your work. And your family is suffering because of it. So for some of you, it's work. (laughs) Oh, you know what this is? I wasn't sure. Uh, You know what this is really called? Approval addiction. You laugh. And some of you, you can't hardly live without having other people like you and approve of you. And you need the approval. And you spend time and energy and money and everything to get more and more approval in your life. You're addicted to it. That's your desire. You're going down the wrong road. Money, 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 money. Some old guy in the back, like, I don't know, it must have been his grandkids, but he's like,
1: money, in the first celebration.
0: For some of you, it's money. You think about it all the time. How can I get more? How can I keep what I have? How can I not give it to someone else? How can I retain what I have? You're addicted to power and money you're going down the wrong road. You can tell I don't know how to work this, so I have many issues. This is not one, as you can tell. Uh, vanity. Some of you are looking in the mirror all the time. I wonder if they think I look good. I really wonder if they think I look all right. You go through your whole day trying to figure out, what do other people think? How do I look? And so you spend all the time on this side of the mirror trying to see. Hey. That's why plastic surgery is so huge in our country. Because people look in the mirror and they go, that's not enough. Again, there's nothing wrong with it. If you've had plastic surgery, that's fine. I'm just saying when it becomes an addiction, where it becomes the only thing you think about, you wake up and that's it. Oh, you're familiar with this. I wasn't sure. (laughs) Mikey and Derek get these things, they give them to me, and I just, you know, I hold them up. You may think it's trivial how much time you spend watching television, but some of you spend way too much. Like when you get to Friday, and you're like, I can't wait to just like veg out, dude. (laughs) And what happens, people, you laugh, but it's like minutes. You ever done this before? You're just like, oh, I'm going to check this out, and then it's minutes, then all of a sudden it's a half hour, then it's an hour, and the next thing you know, you've like spent a whole day watching, I don't know, but you know, you've spent a long time watching whatever that is. Cannon's donuts. They're good. Anybody buy one donut. You want one? All right. All right. Hey, well, you gotta go quickly because I only got so many. I can't throw them. Come to me. All right. Here you go. Just take one. You can share it. Your sisters. Don't eat Chris's. Don't eat mine. Get the <laughs> chain off my donut. All right. Here you
1: go. We got three more.
0: Oh, okay. No, you don't get the whole box. You just get one. Anybody else? Well, I kind of went to too many sections. How about over here? Yeah. Serious. All right. Go ahead. Oh, my. Okay. One more. Oh. I can't even get over to you guys. Sorry. Thank you. That's it. Sorry, I can't. People are back there. Hey, come back here. That's it. Now, this is the thing. We laugh, but this is the truth. For some of you, it's about food. And it's a desire that controls your life. And you're down a wrong road. So let me ask you. What would happen if you just said, Holy Spirit, I'm going down this wrong road, but I really want to let your spirit to speak to me. Like, I don't want to quench it anymore. And for some of you, if you're going down one of those wrong roads, particularly today we're talking about sexual sin, just turn around. You may need to make amends. You may need to ask for forgiveness. You may need to do something, but you can do it. And I want to close by just giving you a few things of what the right road looks like. The first step to any right road in this area of sexual sin is this. Embarrassingly honest prayer. Not just prayer. Honest prayer. Not just honest prayer, but embarrassingly honest prayer. You see, the Spirit is in the flow of your mind and my mind all the time. The spirit is present and available for us to tap into whether we choose to or not is up to us. But Paul put it this way. He says, I'm praying the spirit on all occasions with what's the next word? All, all All kinds of prayers and requests to talk to God at any time. With what you want to talk to Him about. The problem is is that for many of us, when we go to prayer, we think, wonder what God wants to hear. You know what God wants to hear? Honesty. Embarrassingly honest prayer. That's why I journal. I've got so much, like if someone wanted to kick me out of the church, find my journals. But one day, my kids probably will. But I just get as honest as I can because the characters of the Bible, that's what they did. And they prayed for selfish things and foolish things and confusing things. They prayed for noble things and wonderful things and good things. They just prayed for all things. There's a guy named Elisha who was ticked off at a couple of kids that were making fun of him. He prayed that a bear would come out of the woods and get the person. And by the way, you might as well get this figured out, because this is really important. Whatever you're thinking, and whatever your desire is right now, it's not like when you share it to God, he's like, really? Like, really? I did not know. I've been up here in heaven, you know, and all of a sudden, I get this line from one of the angels, and they're telling me, this is what this person is thinking about right now. Huh? So just be embarrassingly honest at the beginning. Next thing, make a resolution. This is an act of the will. Desires are about emotion. A resolution is an act of the will. And I just make a decision out of my will that I will not express this desire if it dishonors God. This is exactly what Paul tells us in Romans 6.11. He says in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Here Paul is saying we must count. We must commit to the fact that we will be dead if we would express this desire in this sinful way. We would die if we did that. And I begin to learn that it is possible to have unfulfilled desires. (laughs) Did you realize that? Like you can live, you can actually survive with an unfulfilled desire. You can. You can do it. For example, let's say, for instance, uh, my desire is power, and I want everybody to serve me. Now, the first time I serve someone else, I might think that there should be a parade. Jen, my wife. Hey, Jen, I just unloaded the dishwasher without being asked. Get the videotape out. All of heaven is rejoicing. You rejoice. The first day an alcoholic goes without drinking or the first day a person who's addicted to porn stays off the Internet, it feels like this huge battle because there's all of these things going on in our mind. And some of the things that will help your resolution the most is if you frame it in such a way that as you're going down this right road, you put some things in place. One is you take this book and you read it daily, and then you don't cross it out when it doesn't seem like it's what you want to hear. The second thing is, is that you pray. You ask God an embarrassingly honest prayer. And then you get accountability. You find one person. You don't need two. You don't need three. You don't need ten. You need one person that you can trust. And you tell them about it. Each week, there's a guy in our church that at 6 a.m. on Wednesdays, I'm asked multiple questions, but here is one of them. Other than your wife, have you looked lustfully at any other woman? Well, no, I just don't. I mean, I'm holy, you know. No. And then I have to be honest with that. And you know what often the next question is? Did you lie about what you just said? (laughs) Oh, look at some of you. Oh, I don't lie. Oh, I never lie. Oh, my. We need to find another church because that pastor up there, he is a stinking, filth and liar. That's just who I hang out with, you know. Other times what I have to do is I have to remind myself like I did this morning. As I was praying, sometimes I journal it. What pain and betrayal would I cause to my wife if I ever went down that road? What would my two little girls do for the rest of their life and all of the stuff that would go on in their life if I were to slip up in that area? What kind of pain would I cause to another person and a whole other group of people that would be destructive? And what kind of guilt and shame would I carry for a long time? And so finally, I'm just like, why would I want that? And I have to evaluate it weekly. Psychologists call this next thing the road that we go down, emotional realignment. As I'm going down this road, did you realize that as you're going down the right road, eventually you can have different thoughts that you don't even think about other things the way that you used to think about them? Dallas Willard, uh, one of the, uh, well, let me give you a scripture verse first. Paul put it this way. He said the mind can, controlled by the Spirit is, what's it say? A mind that is controlled by the Spirit is filled with life and peace. It's not all about struggle and strife and how horrible everything is. When you become a Christ follower and you do that, you should walk through life with life and peace. Dallas Willard, he says it this way. He says, one of the great signs of maturity are the thoughts that no longer occur to you. Some of you are going to have to think about that for a little bit more. For example, if you're struggling with alcoholism, but you get clean and sober and you do that for years and years and years, pretty soon, it doesn't mean that you can't still be on a road to recovery because freedom can be taken away at any time. But it means that you don't think about it the way you once did. It just doesn't occur to you. Or if you're handling uh, feelings of anger, then you find these thoughts of rage like, that idiot just doesn't come to you anymore. Folks, one of the signs of maturity are the thoughts that no longer occur to you. And in emotional realignment, what happens is you just decide, I want to be whole. I want to be good. I want to do what would honor Christ. If Christ were here, I would want to do. And then this finally leads us to the last place on this right road, which is ironically the opposite Of the last place that you get on the wrong road. Remember what the wrong road was? Slavery. On the right road, the last place you get to is freedom. Freedom. One of Jesus' most famous statements, he said this, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you, what? Free. I'd like you to imagine just for a moment that whatever your thing is, whatever your desire is that has taken you down a wrong road, what if you lived in freedom from that? Now, whatever desire that torments you, imagine that you were free of, free from the addiction of work, free from uh, vanity, free from the demand of money or power, free from the desire of approval, free from the addiction of drugs, alcohol, and free even from the pull of lust of sexual sin. Well, today, I think Jesus really wants to give you some freedom in your life. By staying in the flow and staying on the right road. So this is the way that we're going to close today. I'd like all of you to stand right now, if you would. And for some of you, you're... On a wrong road. We're going to turn the lights off here in just a second. Because for some of you, you need to process it by not looking at anyone else but just yourself. That you're going down a wrong road. You're on the wrong road right now. But you can turn around. You can turn it around. And you can walk on the right road. And God's grace wants to help you turn it around. But you need to be convicted that you're on the wrong road. And I pray right now that the Holy Spirit, that if you're on this wrong road when it comes to sexual sin, that he would convict you in whatever way he needs to, whether it's right now or later this afternoon or tonight, that you'd turn it around. For others of you, you've been on the wrong road before, and you've actually gotten off the road. You've done all the things, but the problem is you've allowed your mind to be controlled by the evil one to keep on reminding you how much of a bad person you are because you were on that wrong road. You've already been convicted. Some people need to be convicted in this place, but other people just need compassion today of experiencing the fullness of God's grace, His forgiveness his love. That I'm not that person that I was. And I don't have to carry it. I don't have to be consumed by it anymore. So I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up. And after I pray, if you need some more time in prayer, they would love to be up here to pray with you. But if you're on the wrong road, turn around. And if you're on the a wrong road at some point in your life. Why not come to get freed up today? So let's pray. Loving and forgiving and gracious God. Thank you for the fact that you give us a choice. We get to choose which road will walk down. And I pray right now that for some folks who have been down the wrong road, they're they're on the wrong road right now, that you would convict them by the power of your holy spirit to bring everything to the light. And that they would know that on the other side of that is a uh, wave of grace, wave after wave after wave of grace of God saying, there's nothing you've done that will make me love you less. There's nothing you've done that will make you love me more. I love you. Just come back. Get off the road. And if it's hard to do that because it involves somebody else, help them to know how to do that. I also pray right now, God, for a group of people in this room who they've been on that wrong road before. They got off of it, but man, they still feel so much shame and guilt because of some of the things that have happened in their past when it comes to sexual sin. So, Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come to anyone who has had an abortion and you would bring a measure a wave of forgiveness and grace into their life let them know that that does not define them that they do not have to carry any shame anymore but they can be free today because of what Jesus did on the cross And God, for those who have committed adultery and they've sought forgiveness, but they still just can't forgive themselves, would you send a wave of grace right now upon them?
1: And for those, God,
0: whose road has been filled with promiscuity or pornography. And they just don't think they're worthy enough to ever have that. Would you send a flood of compassion and love their way? Loving God, you forgive all things. And you make all things new. Would you send wave after wave after wave of grace to people until they finally start walking that right road? That honors you in all things. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.